Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, uh, would you please take them out? And I'm asking you to turn to the New Testament book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. And uh, we're going to begin there, but we're going to look at multiple passages of Scripture um, uh, this morning. But I want you to go to Matthew chapter 7 with me uh, today. And as you're turning there, I just want to give you a real quick update um, on where, where I am in my journey um, as we uh, overcome uh, cancer. Tomorrow I begin round number two. Uh, of uh, chemotherapy, and so um, I just pray that you would, uh, or I ask that you would pray um, that uh, that this this treatment that will work, that will be effective, but that the side effects are minimal. And so I just ask that everybody would pray that. Um, uh, the first round was, uh, I'll just say this, those of you who have gone through cancer and have defeated it, um, chemo is no joke. It's for real. And, uh, and so um, it's, it's, uh, it's serious stuff, uh, but God is good, and uh, we're able to praise him no matter what we go through. But I do ask um, that you would just pray that the side effects would be minimum for myself and for those uh, in our congregation who are going through cancer. I am not the only one, and I do want to encourage you to pray for those as well. But, uh, but I just want to say thank you so much for your prayers, my wife and I and our two girls. We greatly, greatly appreciate those. And so thank you. Thank you so much. Well, Matthew chapter 7, as we are in this series, Overcomer, uh, which is based off of Romans 8, 37, uh, which says that we are more than conquerors. We overwhelmingly conquer through Christ who loves us. And so in this series, we've been just looking at different things that we fight, that we, that we fight against, that we battle against. Um, we have looked at overcoming boredom. We looked at that on Father's Day. We've looked at overcoming bitterness. Uh, on July 4th weekend, we looked at overcoming a broken nation. Um, and then last week, we looked at overcoming worry. And today, as I've already mentioned to you today, uh, we are going to talk about overcoming a judgmental spirit. Overcoming a judgmental spirit. Um, if there is a phrase that could define and characterize our culture, I believe it is this. We are living in a judgmental spirit age. Would you agree with that statement? Okay, three of you. Can I get four of you to agree with that statement? Because that's the basis of my sermon right there. Would you agree that we are living in a culture that is a judgmental spirit? Absolutely we do. We live, we actually, it's called a different term. It's called, we're living in what's called a cancel culture. That's what we're living in, and so I believe that this topic of overcoming a judgmental spirit is very appropriate, and it's appropriate for those in the church. I'm not speaking to those who are outside of the church. You and I, we cannot expect those who are non-believers to act like believers, amen? We can't do that, and, and so many times we get frustrated at non-believers when they act like non-believers. Well, guess what? They're going to act like non-believers, and so... What I want to reference this morning is, is we're talking to the church. In our passages of Scripture that we'll look at, we're going to see that every um, recipient of these words, it's, it's from the speaker, whether it's Jesus or Paul or James, are the ones we'll look at. They're speaking to the church. They're speaking to the followers of Christ. And so, so we're going to look at what I believe to be one of the most recognizable yet most misunderstood statements that Jesus ever made. 
When he says in Matthew chapter 7, he says this, do not judge. I think that's one of the most misunderstood statements um, in our society today. Uh, I believe this, that if you were to go around and and interview people on the streets or talk to uh, the average person on the street and you ask them to quote a verse in the Bible, I can almost guarantee you they're going to say something like this. The Bible says, do not judge. Or they're going to give some type of a form of that statement. In fact, uh, when I was uh, studying for this uh, text or this sermon, um, I typed in, uh, in Google, in the search bar, I typed in the phrase, the Bible says not to, and then it auto-filled for me. Here's what it came up with. So it it auto-filled this. the, The Bible says not to worry, not to sue, may preach on that next week, and uh, how about the, the Bible says not to pray for the dead. I have no idea why that showed up on my computer. The Bible says not to drink, and then finally it says this, the Bible says not to judge. And so if you've ever wondered how a senior pastor does his research, there you go. So don't judge me on that, but, uh, but judging, it's, it's, it's a big deal. I've told this story before, but I believe it bears um, retelling. It's a, it's a make-believe story, but it's a comical story. It's the story of a man who was at one time, he was walking up a bridge. He gets to the top of a bridge, and he sees another man standing by the rail, and obviously he is about to jump. Well, the man who discovers him runs over to him and says, don't jump, don't jump, I can, I can, I can help you. And the man next to the rail said, well, well how can you help me? And the man who discovered him said, well, let, let me just ask you some questions, and let's calm down. And he said, let me ask you a question. Are you a Christian? And the man on the rail said, absolutely, I am. And the other man said, well, that's wonderful. That is fantastic. What, 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 uh, what, what type of Christian are you? are you? Are you a Protestant or are you Catholic? And this man on the rail said, well, I'm, 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 I'm Protestant. He said, me too. I mean, this is incredible. But let me ask you another question. What type of Protestant are you? Are you Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian? What are you? And this man said, man, I I am Baptist. This other man said, man, that is fantastic. I'm Baptist too. But i got to ask you another question. Are you Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? (laughs) This man lights up. He says, man, I am Southern Baptist and I'm not ashamed of it. This man said, me too. I'm so glad that we found somebody that we can agree with and that, and that we are on the same page. And he said, now let me ask you another question. He said this, now what type of worship music do you like? Well, this guy said, well, you know, I, 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 like, I like hymns, and I, but I also like contemporary music. And this guy said, oh, me too. I think that is great. That is wonderful. This is fantastic. But let me, let me, ask, you, let me ask you another question. What's your favorite part of the worship service? And this man on the rail said, oh, my favorite part of the worship service is when the pastor says, let's stand up and greet each other in the name of Jesus Christ. And the guy said, oh, me too. That's my favorite part. I love shaking hands with everybody. This is so great. I can't believe that we have so much in common. But let me ask you another, let me ask you another question. What type of Bible, the New International Version or the King James Version? And the man said, oh, man, let me tell you what. The NIV is for wimps. I'm all about the King James Version. And this man said, okay, let's get a little bit more specific here. Are you new King James Version 
or are you 1611 authorized King James Version? And this man said, oh man, if it worked for King Jimmy, it worked for me. I'm all about 1611 King James Version. And this man, it got real awkward, awkward silence. And he looked at that man and he walked over to him and he said, you need to die, heretic. And he pushed him off the bridge. It's a comical story, not true. Don't ever push somebody off the bridge. Don't ever do that. You want to rescue them. But it's a comical story. Is It's comical because they had so many things in common, but something very, very, very minute caused a problem. A problem that really did not need to be a problem. You see, that's what happens when we have a judgmental spirit. We begin to major in the minor things. And we allow the minor things to disrupt fellowship. And we begin to focus on the things which the Bible does not give uh, 100% guidance on, whether you read from the NIV or the King James Version. Does the Bible say? No. It does not say. But yet so many people have chosen to fight, to criticize, to break off relationships over minor things. And the world sees that taking place in the church. Because too many times in the church we have a judgmental spirit. We have a judgmental mental spirit. We argue about the smallest things. Would you be in agreement with that? And we get so wrapped, we get so wrapped around the axle that we forget the major purpose of the church, which is to promote Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Amen? And yet in our humanity, so many times we judge. And that phrase, judge not, is popular in our culture. It is a popular phrase in our secular, progressive culture. And the reason that phrase, do not judge, often used by an unbeliever, often used by someone who is fully enveloped in a secular mindset. Secular mindset being Rejection of God, rejection of the Almighty, doing it in a progressive way, living living for their own life. When an an unbeliever or a secularist says the phrase, do not judge, they are living out two basic assumptions of a secular mindset. Now, moms and dads, we need to understand this for our children. Grandparents, we need to understand this about our grandparents, about our grandkids. When they go off to college, they're going into a secular world. They live in a secular world. Listen, it happens even in school, high schools and middle schools. They go to a secular world. And we need to understand what the secular mindset is. Well, two basic assumptions of the secular mindset, which causes them to misuse, do not judge. Here's two of them. Number one, a secular mindset is this. The secular world believes that religion is to be private. Meaning that whatever you believe, you need to keep that to yourself. Would you agree with that? Specifically related to Christianity. 
is that you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, the secular world, the secular worldview is this. You keep your beliefs to yourself. It's interesting. I read uh, this past week. I was reading. I was uh, reading about uh, the ages of, of the church and how how the the world has changed in its response to the church and in the beliefs of the church. Um, prior to 1994, here in the United States, if you went to church, man, that was great, fantastic. You were considered you were considered a good, great citizen, and many people would come to church. Many businessmen and business ladies would come to church because that's where people were and that was a good you want to be an outstanding citizen so you'd come to church and and the culture thought highly of the church but but something happened in 1994 in the 90s something happened and and until about uh, 20 uh, 2010 somewhere around that to the 2000s uh, something changed and the world didn't have a a positive view of the church but it wasn't a a negative view of the church it was it just it just was, but, but something's happened in the 2000s, and now the secular worldview is a negative view of the church. Are you in agreement with that? There's a negative view regarding Christianity. There's a negative view regarding religion specifically related to Christianity. And we're living in a culture, and we're living in a world that has completely misunderstood the separation of church and state. They have not read the documents. They do not understand the definition of the separation of church and state. The original meaning of the definition of the, the difference between the church and state is there should be, no, there should be no, no one church for the state. That's how the United States got started. They wanted freedom. But we've completely misunderstood those things. Why? Because of a secular worldview, it says you need to keep your religion to yourself. So much so that government today says this, that you cannot as a Christian believe, you cannot bring your beliefs into how you govern. Now think how idiotic that statement is. Because you govern according to what? How you believe. You cannot separate those two. Are y'all with me this morning? Thank you. I appreciate that. That's good. That made my day right there. We live in a world that says religion is to be private. Therefore, don't judge me. You can't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. The Bible says do not judge. The second uh, thing about, or the second, the second worldview, the secular worldview that we're living in is, is that truth is subjective. The truth is subjective. That you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ who believe that this, that the Bible, this God's authorized word inspired by him to us, given once and for all, fulfilled through the son Jesus Christ who is soon coming again to take his people, his church home, he is soon coming. We believe that this is God's revealed word and we believe that his word speaks truth and it tells us the difference between right and wrong. That this is our standard, but we live in a world that says there is no standard. We, the world believes that truth is subjective. That means that you can do whatever you want to do. Therefore, you cannot tell me what is wrong. And so whenever you tell somebody that they are wrong, they will throw up this defense mechanism. And it's the phrase, don't judge me. This is pretty good, isn't it? 
Well, y'all come back next week and I'll finish it. (laughs) What does this mean? What does this mean? When Jesus says, do not judge, and the Bible says, do not judge, what does that really mean? Well, look at Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at three passages of scripture this morning. I'm going to read all of them at the beginning, and then we're going to work this out. So let's begin in Matthew chapter 7. Um, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version, just in case you were wondering. Don't judge. Verse Verse number one, chapter seven, it's on the screen behind me as well, but follow along as I read the first five verses, then we're going to flip over to some other scriptures as well. Matthew chapter seven, these are the red letters, this is Jesus speaking, this is the Sermon on the Mount telling the disciples how they are to live a life of a Christ follower. Jesus says to the disciples, do not judge. That's a present imperative with a negative, which means you are judging Now stop. That's what it means. And continually stop judging. That's what it means. It says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Now, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? but you don't even notice the log that is in your own eye. Right there, this is Hebrew Aramaic humor. We don't catch this, but this is, to the hearer, they would kind of chuckle at that. You know, so you're saying, I've got a piece of dust in my eye, but, but uh, in your eye, but I've got a, a tree sticking out of my eye. They would think this is quite comical. Verse 4, or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. What does Jesus say in verse number 5? You hypocrite. We at First Baptist Church, we want to make you feel good about yourself. You hypocrite, right? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your own eye. Jump over to Paul's great book called Romans. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, and then we'll jump down to verse number 10. But listen to these words. Chapter 14, verse 1 from Romans. Paul says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. Out in the margin of your Bible says the Bible condemns vegans. No, I'm just totally joking. Totally joking. (laughs) Totally joking. Verse 3. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. For God has accepted him. Verse 4. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls and And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Jump over to verse number 10. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us, each one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, 
Let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Jump over to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James, the brother of Jesus, the early uh, leader of the church, James writes to believers, and he says in verse number 11, look at verses 11 and 12, James says this, do not speak against one another, brethren, brothers and sisters. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law, and he judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. Verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge. The one who is able to save and destroy, and look at that last line, but who are you who judge your neighbor? Wow. Any questions? Yeah, I think there's some questions here, but let's see if we can make sense of what the text says, what Jesus said, what Paul said, and what James said when it comes to a judgmental spirit and overcoming a judgmental spirit. First, let's, let's answer the question, what does the Bible not mean by judging? Because I think that's the big question. What does the Bible mean not to judge? Well, write this down. Write this down. Telling somebody they are wrong is not judging. Amen? Telling somebody they are wrong is not judging. Now, we've looked at what Jesus said, we looked at what Paul said, we looked at what James said, and every single one of them, they said, do not judge. And when they said, do not judge, they do not mean, they do not mean that you are to never tell somebody they are wrong. Now, how do we know that? Well, one, just look at the ministry of Jesus. Jesus had a three-year public ministry. And three years, in those three years, he spent his ministry telling people that they were what? That they were wrong. That they were wrong. In Matthew 7, which we read just a few minutes ago, Jesus said in verse 1, do not judge. But in verses 13 and 14 of Matthew 7, Jesus says these words after saying, do not judge. He then says in Matthew 7, 13, he says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now, I don't know about you, but to me that does not sound like Jesus is saying, hey, you can do whatever you want because you're going to end up in the same place. Amen? Oh. Amen? Amen? I mean, Jesus did not say, do whatever you want, choose whatever way you want to go, it's going to be okay. Did he say that in the text? No, he did not. He did not say that in the text. So, in other words, Jesus is saying there is a right way and then there is a wrong way. And Jesus' ministry was all about telling people about the right way, which is through Jesus, and the wrong way, which is through the world. 
I remember several, several years ago um, when, um, when, uh, when I was living in Dallas, Angela and I were, were, were dating at the time, and, and, and she went on, uh, she had to give a presentation uh, regarding uh, the work that she was in, uh, working with uh, uh, pediatric neurology um, uh, uh, issues, and she was giving a presentation. And I went there to encourage and support, and, and then I sat next to a man um, who was of Indian descent. And he and I began to have a great, great conversation. And we began to talk about religion. And we're telling our stories, and I said, now what, do, what, you know, what do you believe? And he told me this. He said this, well, I believe that religion and faith are like the rivers in the world, that all the rivers lead to the same ocean. In other words, he's saying, everything leads to God. He said, every faith leads to God. Well, I had to tell him. I said, you're wrong. Right? Me telling him that he was wrong was not judging him. I wasn't judging him. Just the Bible disagreed with his belief. And Jesus would tell him that that was incorrect because he already did in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He said, the way to me is narrow and there are few who follow it. Later on in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus will say this as he speaks to the Sadducees. He says these words, you are wrong. The words of Jesus. The words of Jesus. Jesus says, you're wrong. You have, you, you, you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Later on in John chapter 7, Jesus says this, the world hates me because I testify, because I testify about the evil deeds that they do. Jesus told people they were wrong. He said, you're walking in the wrong direction. You're not living in the right way. You're not speaking. And he told that to the disciples. He told that to people that they were living in a wrong fashion, that they're going the wrong way. Jesus did that. You look at his followers. The followers of Jesus continued that same M.O. to tell people they were wrong. You see, we have to tell people about their sin before they can be saved from their sin. I mean, you think about the followers of Jesus. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. He publicly spoke out about the governor of Judea. Which one tells me this, that prophets and priests and pastors need to speak about what's going on in the government. I disagree with those who say you shouldn't talk about that. I completely disagree with that. That doesn't mean that we badmouth them. We do not badmouth them. But if we see sin, what are we to do? We've got to call out sin. So John the Baptist calls out the governor, Herod the Great, he calls out his sexual sin and he does it publicly. Now, John the Baptist died because of that, so that may question some of your, your motives. But he did. Paul said this, rebuke the works of darkness. 
So judging people, it, it cannot mean that we are never to tell people they are wrong. Moms and dads, think of what your children would grow up to be like if you never told them no. It'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? No, it would be a disaster. It would be a disaster. Well, Pastor, you don't know how my son or my daughter reacts when I say no. You're right. Tell them no anyways. I mean, that's it's not being judgmental, not saying you're a bad parent, not saying just no is one of the best words that you can ever use in your life. Can I get an amen on that one? So write this down. Write this down. A follower of Christ is not called, I want you to listen to me, a follower of Christ is not called to give unconditional approval. Are y'all with me this morning? This is hard, isn't it? Not for me, maybe for you, but uh, no, it's tough. But we are not called to give unconditional approval to people's lifestyles. We're not. But I know this, you can still love the person. You can still love the person and not agree with what they are doing. So the Bible does not say that we are not to tell people that they are wrong. In fact, the Bible says we need to tell them that they're wrong. Because that's the way of Jesus. That's the way of his followers. So then what does it mean? What does it mean when we judge? When he says do not judge, what is he talking about? What he's talking about, what scripture is talking about is this. It means we are not to cancel people. The phrase judge is the Greek word krino. K-R-I-N-O, and it means, uh, it can mean to judge correctly, righteously, but it also means to separate and to break relationships and to reject. It literally means to, it literally means to, uh, to cancel, a cancel culture. And so when Jesus says, do not judge, what and Paul says this and James says it. What they're saying is, is that you and I, in our hearts and in our mouths, we are not to criticize and to critique so much that we destroy that relationship and we reject them and say, just like in the story I told earlier, that you disagree over a minor thing and you totally abandon all relationships. Are you with me? But it does mean you speak the truth and you do it with love, but you do not cast people away. You don't cast them away. Why do we not cast people away? Because they're in sin. They're in sin and they need the gospel. And Jesus and James and Paul says, do, do, do not judge. Turn over with me to James chapter 4. Y'all feeling good this morning? Y'all feeling good? <laughs> this is a hard subject. It really, really is. 
in James uh, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, there's two things that James says in, in these two verses on why we are not to judge. Meaning why we are not to cast people away. Not referencing, speaking the truth, but, but why we are not to turn our backs completely. Especially related to believers in Jesus Christ, especially. But the first thing that James says, and this is found in verse number 11, the first thing that James says is this. When you and I judge others, it's a failure to keep the great commandment. I want you to follow along. Look at verse 11. James says, do not speak against one another. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. A couple things I want to show you in this text. Uh, that phrase, speak against, is the Greek word kata leleo. Kata means against, leleo means to speak. James says, do not speak against your brother in Christ. Uh, we, we get our word slander from this. Do not slander a fellow brother in Christ Jesus. Don't slander them. And then he says, and do not judge them. That word crino that I mentioned to you just a few minutes ago, it's where we get our word critic or criticize from. And so James says, do not judge them. And so judging them means this, to criticize or to find fault. In other words, James is saying this, we need to quit being fault finders. We spend so much of our time finding faults. And so many times we come across as, we can come across as arrogant, as better than. Are, are, are you with me? We find the faults rather than the good and, we, and then we begin to criticize and then we begin, we begin to slander people and we begin to talk about people. One of the great things when it comes, or one of the, not great things, that was a bad uh, adjective right there. One of the bad things about uh, judging others is it turns into gossip. And folks, listen, listen. When somebody comes to you and gossips about somebody to you, guess what they're going to do with the next person? They're going to gossip about you. Right? And James says that's slander and that's judging. It says we don't need to do that because that breaks, that, breaks the, that breaks the law, as James says. Well, the law in James' vernacular is the great commandment that's found in James chapter 2, verse 8. James says as believers in Christ, we need to fulfill the law. He calls it the royal law, and the royal law is the great commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so when it comes to us as believers in Christ... Y'all with me? Y'all still with me? When it comes to us as believers in Christ, we do not judge one another. We do not criticize. We do not slander. And by the way, when I say criticize, what I'm meaning is you're putting people down and you are, you are hurting their name. Are you with me? I'm not talking about not telling them that these things are wrong. What I'm talking about is you make it personal where you don't want to even talk to that person, you don't even want to be around that person. Are, are you with me? Because there's so many times when we get critical, when we get critical of people, we get a hard heart towards them and we begin to reject them and we don't want to be around them. And James says, no, 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 we can't do that. Because when you do that, you're not fulfilling the great commandments, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. I, I've heard a story one time about a, 
out about a, a lady who came to her pastor and said this. Well, pastor, this was after they were talking about do not judge. She said, pastor, I have the gift of criticism. <laughs> and the pastor said, I agree with that. <laughs> but then he said, he said, well, ma'am, you, you know that that is not a spiritual gift in the Bible, but that is one talent that you should bury. The gift of criticism, and some people think that they have that, is a talent that needs to be buried. And the church has to lead the way. Bury that gift. The second thing that James says about judging others is this, is that judging others is God's job, not mine. Amen? It's God's job, not mine. Look at verse number 12. Verse number 12. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judges your neighbor? And what James says is this, there's only one in all of creation that can correctly judge and righteously judge, and his name is God. I read this in a commentary, and I like this. It said this, it said this, anytime I judge other people, I'm playing God. Ooh, that's pretty tough, isn't it? Anytime I'm judging other people, I'm playing God. You know, my family, we like to play games. Uh, we, we like, anybody remember the game Parcheesi? Remember that one? That's for you old people. It's not for young people. There you go. It's a great game, Parcheesi. Um, we, we play that game a lot. There's a new game out there we play. It's called Ticket to Ride. It's a fun one. I win it every time. That's why it's my favorite game. We've, we've played dominoes, we've played cards, you name it, we've played it. My girls are very competitive. They're just really sore losers, and I'm a great winner. But it's just, you know, we, we, we like to do that, and Angela actually spearheads that. She, she loves to play games. And, um, but, but there's one game that you and I should never play. We should never play God. We should never play God. And uh, so many times in our lives when we have been hypercritical and hyperjudgmental, we've taken God off his throne and put ourselves on the throne. And James says, don't do that. Paul says that in Romans chapter 14, he says the same thing. This this past week. Can y'all give me about 35 more minutes? Okay, two. I'll give you two. All right, two. A couple weeks ago, this past week, I, I uh, bought something at a store that I had not been to before. Bought it, or I was buying it, and, and my card was declined. It's always a little embarrassing, isn't it? Card declined. I'm like, did I not get paid this week? <laughs> you know, and uh, so I take it out. Declined. I'm getting a little frustrated at this point. So I take it out this time again and do it again. Third time. Declined. I'm looking around. And then the lady behind the caster, sweet lady, decided 
to explain to me the possible reasons why my card was declined. <laughs> As if I didn't know them already. And she goes through this list, and she's really sweet, but in my mind, I'm just picturing a really mean lady. Do you know what I'm talking about? And she's just explaining it to me. And my heart is I am just, man, I'm getting judgmental in my heart. You ever been there? Please say yes. Please say yes. Please. Thank you. And I'm just getting, I'm getting very, very frustrated. And my mind is telling my heart and my mouth, heart calm down, mouth don't open. That's the battle that's going on. The mouth won. I said, ma'am, none of those reasons are relevant to me. And she said, well, I was just trying to help. And I said, well, thank you. <laughs> Praise God my girls were not around to see this great godly behavior of mine. <laughs> but I just walked away going, You know what I mean? Just, man, why did, why? Here's why. Because a judgmental spirit is a heart issue. It is a heart issue. Our hearts in the flesh is full of sin, and we need somebody to take care of that sin. And that person is Jesus the Christ who can take away a hard, cold, judgmental heart and replace it with love, peace, compassion, patience as we deal with other people. So how do we overcome this judgmental spirit? Number one, you need a new heart. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Your default system is judgment. And your eternal destination is judgment. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. Where that you give him your heart because he died for you. To give you a new heart. To become his spokesperson to the rest of the world. And so if you're without Jesus, I pray today that you would give your heart to him and allow him to change your heart. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's a couple things I want to share with you regarding how do you overcome a a judgmental spirit. Number one, realize this, that you are not the standard. God's the standard. God's word's the standard. Your feelings are not the standard. Your emotions are not the standard. Whether somebody does it the way that you think they ought to do it or the way that they want to do it, you're not the standard. And so for many of us, we have to come off of our high horse and humble ourselves. Take up the cross and follow Jesus. He's the standard. The second thing is this, when it comes to dealing with people, We don't know all of their story. We don't know all the facts. The lady in the illustration of who was telling me how awful money manager I was and my card was declined. I don't know her story. 
I don't know what's going on in his life, but I know this, that I, I spoke negatively into her for a selfish reason. I didn't take the time to get to know her, thank her, and really how sweet she was. Before you speak, get to know the people, know the facts. Third thing is, remember, we all have blind spots. That's why we need others to help us. Amen? Blind spot is a spot that I can't see, but you can see. I can see your blind spot. You can see my blind spot. That's why we need each other. We just need help in that. And the last thing is this. When it comes to having a judgmental spirit, we need to remember this. Remember how much grace God has shown you. Amen? God has been gracious to you. God has been gracious to you. And if God has shown you grace, and we are followers of the grace giver, what are we to offer? Grace. Grace. For it is by grace through faith you have been saved. And may through our words of grace to others who don't agree with us, who don't live like us, may our words of grace point them to the grace giver. And may our words to one another in our small groups, when we're with each other during the week, may our words be filled with grace comfort, compassion, and encouragement. Because believers, we are all on the same journey together to become more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's help one another. And let's not tear each other down. Amen? If you need to make a decision this morning for Christ, would like to speak to me or another pastor, come to the front, we'd love to talk to you. If you need to come up to the front and ask God for forgiveness regarding a judgmental spirit or just want to come to the altar to pray for anything, then the altar is always open. But may the Holy Spirit deal with us accordingly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. And I pray, God, that you would give us a heart that longs for you and longs to be a grace giver because that's whom we follow, the God of grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's